Welcome to Top of Mind with Concilio Wealth, a show about markets, investing, and financial planning. Join us as we cover current events that are in the news and answer top of mind questions from our listeners. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. This audio may contain statements that may be deemed as forward-looking. Any such statements are not guarantees of future performance and actual results may differ from those projected. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, tax, or other professional services. All right, welcome back to episode three of Top of Mind with Concilio Wealth. We are back with another update. And today we've got two listener questions that came in uh, from a handful of meetings that we wanted to address. We have uh, some data on, did the market bottom or has the market bottomed or did it? And uh, we're gonna talk about interest rates, inflation, and a couple of other fun items that came up. So uh, thanks so much everyone for tuning in. And uh, please do send in your questions in between our calls. We are happy to address them live on our next episode. How, how's it going today? Really good. Great markets, Chris. Like I, I, my mood, my mood goes up and down with the markets. <laughs> I'm kidding. You have positive correlation to the market, so good day is a good mood for you. Bad day is bad mood. Exactly. And we've had mm-hmm. a string of good days, like a long string of good days, which is really great to see. Yeah, it's like since July, it's just kind of gone straight up. In fact, I, we were talking about this earlier, and I haven't looked this up yet, but it seems like the market is positive every day, which I know is not possible, but it's kind of one of those, on average, the market is positive a few more days than it is negative. That's why in general it goes up. Um, it seems like it's been like 70, 30 or 80, 20 recently. This is kind of just chugging forward. Yeah, anecdotally, I didn't do the math either, but anecdotally, it feels like we've had majority better feeling days than worse feeling days. In the and face of interesting news too. Interest, mixed news. Mixed news. Yeah, yeah. It went from a point where I, I was begging for a flat day. The, <laughs> the pain wasn't as sharp as down days. And now it's like, yeah, yeah, we forgot what the, the, the down days were like. And now uh, it feels like the mixed news is being perceived as positive news. And, you know, and we don't control the markets. Let's be clear. And I think just taking those updates as we get them is 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 really good feeling. And maybe we can unpack a little bit of that today because yep. there was some interesting news that came out that uh, I think at face value was maybe negative, but then the market rallied like crazy and interest rates came down. So our hope today is to unpack that for our listeners and explain uh, why, you know, why does that happen? All right, let me kick it off with a couple of listener questions that, that had come in. And uh, we've been getting this question a lot lately, and it's sort of along the theme of, hey, what's your crystal ball saying? You know, what, what are the tea leaves saying on the recovery? What can I expect markets to do from here forward? We've gotten this question in various forms. Uh, here's the last, I would say, couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, the first answer, of course, is, well, you know, we don't totally know, but we can look at historical data to try to uh, at least predict or uh, maybe draw conclusions on what we think the future is going to to bring. And here's probably the strongest piece. So we had a pretty bad first six months of the year. No question. Um, Markets pulled back about 20%. So a 20% reduction off of a recent high. That's officially a bear market. Um, We all probably remember when that hit the news. So I think the question is, well, what does it look like once it goes down this far? And um, I'm looking at some data here. 
This is provided by Goldman Sachs. And it says that uh, during past periods where equity markets have uh, priced in a 20% pullback, so they've dropped by 20%, uh, the future returns over the next 12 months have been around 24% uh, on average. And there is a 75% chance that that happens. So in summary, there's a pretty high probability that the forward-looking returns over the next 12 months are highly positive. Um, stocks also gained on a median of 33% in the 12 months ahead of being down 20%. So often it's a really, really good period. Then there's this pretty strong pullback. And then there's this pretty, pretty good period of recovery. So do we know what the next 12 months look like? No, but when we look at history, we would suggest that likely uh, if we wake up a year from today, it is more likely that your account is higher than it is lower. Why is that? Well, I think it's because things just kind of get oversold, right? I think that as stocks come down and get cheaper and uh, PE ratios start to look better, I think at some point people and institutions just start to say, hey, that stock's pretty cheap. I think I want to buy some. Yeah, buy low, sell high, right? Isn't that, that's That's the name of the game, right? Yeah, as crude as that slogan is, as much as I don't actually don't like it, because it doesn't explain a lot, right? <laughs> like, duh, of course I want to do that. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> for your opportunity to buy low, you have to slug through the first half of 2022. Like, do you like do you want to go back through that again, Chris? Like, that's <laughs> that's a pretty rough six months. Well, it was a slightly worse than average pullback. On average, markets yeah. pull back about 15% every single year. It's just that we're not used to this because the last handful of years it hasn't. Okay, it did during COVID, but before there was a year in there, uh, I believe it was 2018, you you would remember better than I, but the market had only a handful of 1% plus movement days. It just kind of went up a little bit every day. That was and 2017 so and 2019. You. Yeah, 2018 thank you, thank was you. the one normal year. Uh, if, I don't even remember uh, 2018, we had a uh, sharp sell off Christmas Eve. And that's when the, the trade war started with China. There we go. But yeah, there we go. Yeah, we've been spoiled with really good markets. Yeah, low years, volatility. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so the second question that had come in here that we're hearing a lot is, hey, I have cash, should I invest now or wait? And this is in particular within the face of the last uh, really couple of weeks, really week, but since July, market's up about six-ish percent or so. Um, and so it's well off of its its bottom. And so should I invest my cash now or should I wait? And um, we, again, wanted to turn to, to the data to try to provide an answer to this. And so um, what we're looking at here, and this is, again, data from Goldman Sachs, what happens if we buy early? So what happens if I put in my money today and I missed the bottom? Like I, I, I was late and things pulled back even further before they started the actual recovery. And this is interesting. So this is saying that what if you are early by 5%? So you invest today, markets go down 5%, that's the actual bottom, and then it goes up from there, you know, till its next peak. Um, that only is a two days added to your recovery on average. So you missed the bottom by 5%, you only added two extra days to getting back to where you would normally be if you exactly hit the bottom. We would call that a wash. 
What if you miss the bottom by 10%? Meaning you invest today, markets go down by 10 and then start to recover. On average, you have 10 days added. And what if you were early by 15%? So the most extreme you invested today, you know, everything's run up the last month. You're like, ah, I missed the bottom. You bought in, it ended up going down by 15% and then it recovered 49 days on average recovery. And I think why that is, if, if you all could see the chart that I'm looking at is markets tend to sort of go down slowly, then they accelerate, then they V bottom up and then they recover sort of slowly. And it's that V bottom that can create the most dramatic falls and recoveries. And if you're a little bit early in that, it doesn't so much matter. So I think our approach when we're talking with clients is, you know, again, we don't totally know where the bottom is or was if it already happened, but what we can say is that it's still off its high. Therefore, it's a better time than it was as of December 31 of last year. We like it. We like to buy at this point. Well, the biggest up days in single single day measurements, those biggest up days are, are always crowding around the biggest down days, meaning yeah. you don't get the up days without the down days. And uh, even day traders have really tough time timing this because, yeah, you're going to buy the dip on the down days, but good luck you know, the first six months of this year, right? You, you had dips to buy, but then it dipped further. Mm -hmm. So so the price of admission here for long-term investors is, you know, living through these tough times or better yet, not looking at your statement during these tough times. And yeah. I think what Chris is saying though, over the long-term, missing those days probably won't be the biggest disruptor to your long-term performance. But, but consistently trying to do this where you're jumping in and out or holding cash, waiting for a better opportunity. You know, if you do that enough times, that, that could definitely really throw your, your plan off. There's this chart I like to show and it's 20 years of data. So let's just say you put a dollar into the S and P 500 20 years ago. Uh, it was, I believe the chart I show starts in like 2001 or 2002. So you managed to get through the tech bubble and decide, all right, today's the day. I'm deciding to go back into the market, right? Um, and you kept your eyes closed for 20 years. You didn't do anything, you didn't sell, you didn't look at it. 20 years go by, you open up your statement and you've earned about a nine and a half percent compound rate of return every single year. So your dollar, you know, your 10,000, for example, is turned into about 60,000. Um, if you missed the 10 best market return days over a 20 year period, your return is half that, it's about five and a half percent. And that is alarming. 10 of the best That's days over 20 common. years yes. of trading and your return is half. That's so common because fear of loss, right? Because yeah. fear of loss, you're missing the down days. But but what we said earlier is the, the up days are so bunched closely together, like 2020, mm -hmm. right? The biggest up days were in March 2020. Following the... the yes. Yeah. I, think, I think one of the best days in 2020 was two days after the worst day in 2020. Yes. And, and who was jumping in? You have to be in for that day in <laughs> yes. order to make it back. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we have to endure this crazy volatility in order to get the six, seven, eight, 9% long-term compound returns, like the 15% pullback. We got to, we got to deal with that. It happens every year, the 20%, the 30% every once in a while. Uh, we have to endure that in order to get strong returns long-term. It's just, as you said, it's the price of admission. Yeah. Well, let's build off that. We talked about consumer sentiment bottoming out in June, the last episode Yeah, where it hit the historical low of 50. And for context, 2008 was nowhere 
near the lows of 50. That amazing? We do need bad news to occur. And if we were to stick with it for the long haul, you would have been invested, fully invested in June this year, mm-hmm. in which the market seemed to, at this point, right, August 11th, the market seemed to bottom in mid-June. Mm-hmm. And we've had a good, good six weeks as we opened at the top of this show since that point. But yeah, we can unpack that the news causing that rally or or lack of news causing that rally, but that's that's the importance of staying in. I have to admit that, um, so for listeners, we just had a, a son about two months ago and, you know, Congrats. So, that's, yeah, thank you. huge news for Concilia. Huge news for us. Yeah. We have our, our intern here in what, 15 years or so when we get our, we get our intern. I'm going to go 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. Starting really young. He'll definitely be a guest in the video post. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, topic for another, another, another podcast. But, uh, I have to admit that for everything we just said about market timing and, uh, uh, staying invested, we opened up a five to nine plan. You're going to embarrass uh, yourself here, aren't you? Yep. I am. Okay. Am. Okay. Because it has to happen. It has to happen. <laughs> Um, so the financial advisor that I am that says, Hey, market timing, don't do it. Just, you know, you make a plan, you invest. Well, guess what? Um, I decided that we opened up this plan, you know, and we have our financial meeting, like my wife and I do every month. And, uh, this month it was on a Sunday and we said, all right, let's, you know, let's put, put some money in a five to nine plan. Great. Why didn't I initiate the transfer right away? Well, there was a bunch of crazy economic news coming out that week and the market had already jumped a little bit off of its low. And I'm like, you know, I feel like maybe this news will be negative and maybe I can get in, you know, 2% lower. Like and you'll have so a dip did, opportunity to buy, right? I'll buy the yeah. dip. Yeah. Cause that's as one does, right. That's, that's being a good investor. And, um, and so I waited and that week ended up being really, really positive. And then the following week goes by and okay, well, you know, maybe there's some more news, you know, earnings is starting, you know, earnings, who knows, you know, inflation's crazy, supply chain's crazy. Maybe we'll get some bad news. Maybe the market will come down a percent. It'll, it'll be my buy point. Never happened. Market went up. Um, and, uh, I, I still haven't put money in the five to nine plan. And so my message would be, uh, when you've decided to do something, just do it. And if your timing is, God, it actually went down. I should have waited. That's actually unlucky or not the chance. Um, and uh, I think it's just the power of receiving that outside, frankly, that unbiased advice. Like I'm in my own head with this, right? Yeah, I think you got to give yourself some grace here too. At the same time, <laughs> I, I know we we really focus on the data, and and uh, I remember remember when uh, Ukraine uh, conflict hit, and we were like. Let's look at all the past uh, geo- geopolitical conflict and what kind of investment opportunity that presents. Yeah. But I walked that back a little bit because that was a scary time. And in, now it's still admittedly a scary time. Um, I'm going to recommend a book to everyone, uh, The Psychology of Money mm. for, by Morgan Housel. He weighs uh, what you're going through, Chris, is, is a psychology behind it. He weighs the reasonableness versus the data-driven decision-making, where I think it's more important for you to find a good entry point, get invested, as long as you feel comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And I know we say, hey, miss the best best days. We're, we're out to look for your best interest using data. At the same time, we have to recognize that 
emotions and his psychology play into this. And, and your son has 17 and a half years before he has to touch that money. And that could have made 6% already. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in the grand scheme of things, let's say his portfolio is up 300% by the time he's 18, would that extra 6% really matter? And that's, I, again, we're, we're making the point in one instance. But if you did this when he was two, three, four, five, six, seven, that's when I, I would, <laughs> I would, I would have problems with that approach. Uh, hmm. But yeah, just because you missed the bottom, bottom doesn't. There is going to be opportunities to to buy in again. That's just how the market operates. And um, but as long as you can psychologically stay in for his benefit, right? Ideally, we want you to take your emotions out of it, but we totally understand it's your money. Like, and this, this applies to Chris's son. This applies to your retirement. This applies to your kid's college, right? And yeah, we, we understand the psychological effects behind it. It's so funny because had I just sent an email or, you know, put a task in CRM, like, Hey, you know, pull into the 529 and, and invest it and we're good. Uh, I wouldn't have embarrassed myself <laughs> and instead I'm sitting here waiting for the buy point. Right. And with everything else, I'm just so logical with it, or at least try to be, and it, it is what we do, right? We, we bring to our clients logic, but it's well, just, it shows you we're not robots either. For sure. Well, yeah, yeah. 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 And I think, it, but it is also the power of that outside, you know, somebody else giving advice. Um, you know, if I'm giving myself advice, I try to get in my own head there. Well, um, hopefully you and uh, Nicole did not come up with this, this timing decision in mid June. Um, because if he did, you might've missed it because June 16th looks like it was the bottom. Uh, we pulled up a uh, data from, uh, we're going, we're going official. Yeah. For oh, these dang, indexes, says June yeah. 16th yeah. was the bottom. So let's hold them to it. Yeah. Stamp it. Stamp and, it. <laughs> well, the NASDAQ famously, right. Or not so famously, if you don't really follow the markets as you shouldn't, um, is up 20% from that date. God, I really did miss the bottom, didn't I? Jeez. I think you did. It's a short, shy of two months, we got 20% return. And the next best Now you're just making was... me feel bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, again, anyone who is, is in cash or not fully invested, the point is not to make you feel bad, but the point is just to, to focus on finding ways to get invested and stay invested because yeah, the, the performance from these bottoms, um, only came off the back of January 1st, 2022 to June 15th, 2022. I challenge you to find a good day right in the news that, that gave us the green light to invest. Right. That's it what just I was waiting for. <laughs> yeah. And I think the, the market just doesn't wait for, for us. Right. So I'm going to go through the data that we got in July, right? We officially went in on a paper recession, right? And paper recession is just two quarters in a row. I know there's more involved, especially when you're adding jobs, um, uh, adding jobs at the rate we're adding jobs at. But when GDP goes negative for two quarters in a row or six months, that on paper is a recession, which we've hit, right? It might definitely feels like re recession, but officially, um, the, the people who call a recession or not didn't yet because 
other other parts of the economy are going really well and going really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, recession means high unemployment, right? We typically average ten plus percent. What's unemployment now? Like three and a half percent. Three and a half, three point four, yeah, I believe. That, that doesn't scream recession. Three point five. Yeah. Yeah, but that was bad news. That it definitely shows that the market was the economy was slowing in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, inflation came in the highest in my lifetime, 9.1%. I was born in 81. And, and I keep reading articles that say inflation highs in 40 years. I'm like, thanks for reminding me of my age, everyone. <laughs> and um, this one is a positive for the economy, but negative for the uh, the stock market is jobs. Jobs came in at 528,000 versus expected 258,000. So- more yeah it's amazing how many jobs we added um that is mixed bag in the real world yes let's the more people that can get the jobs they want the better in the stock market world that gives the fed more room to hike rates which in july we got a 0.75 percent rate increase Mm -hmm. when the standard is typically in a normal economy right normal world is 0.25 percent so we went triple the amount of rate hikes in in one month than we than we normally would. It's specifically to slow demand, but a strong jobs market there would would give the Fed more room mm-hmm. to increase like they have, right? And they're not done yet. But the market in July has been, you know, 2017, 2019 all over again. It feels like there's no news can shake, right? Can shake this market. And let's unpack that for a minute. So. Yeah. That was about two weeks ago. Fed raised by 0.75%. That was the second time that they did that. I think that day the market was up 2%. And interest rates fell. Why? They fell. So so, so Fed raises rates. Interest rates go down. Like 10-year treasury goes down. Uh, and, and, and the market surged. What's going on? A lot of things going on that, that's market-driven. So... Anyone who's paying attention to geopolitics, which also do not recommend, um, <laughs> Europe is is going through an energy crunch and crisis, right? Similar to what we had in the 70s here in the U.S., where where the Middle East said, we're not going to supply the U.S. for supporting Israel with mm. our oil, right? Uh, Russia, one of the biggest suppliers, single biggest suppliers to Europe, European oil and energy and gas, they they stop flows or they're, they're threatening to stop flows. That has dual impact where their their cost of energy is up and the risk of recession goes up. And what happens is if you're a German bank or an English insurance company or a Spanish uh, uh, endowment, you can buy U.S. treasuries. You could buy U.S. dollars, right? So with all that negativity in Europe, that's driving demand for your uh, safe haven, which is traditionally and still is the U.S. Treasury and the U.S. dollar. Mm. So that has a dual effect where our rates have gone down. So so even though the Fed rate raised rates last month and that very moment rates went down, one, d- let's define what rates are, right? So the Fed raises the overnight rate, which uh, impacts the bank's ability to borrow, 
right? The banks, believe it or not, need to borrow money so they can lend out money. And uh, when they're lending out money, anything from one to 30 years, right, for the mortgage, mortgages for 30 years and one year for maybe an auto loan, those those are driven by the market. So mm -hmm. I gave you all Demand. the context about, yeah, Europe, because Europe, European demand for for safe U.S. dollars and U.S. debt has driven our our rates down. And also the bond market is implying something, right? That the Fed's going to raise rates until something breaks, and then we're going to have to lower rates again to mm -hmm. stimulate a, a, a dying economy, which that was a thought as recently in, in June. I don't know, something changed there, but to your point, to, to, to answer it directly, that the 0.75% rate hike with the rates going down, one, the market's already priced in in April, March this year, what the, the what the Fed was anticipated to do. This the rate hike was no surprise, and it's we have to get comfortable with the fact that that a lot of these components that we're talking about are already priced in. What does that mean? What's priced in mean? Meaning uh, the market is forward looking and mm -hmm. it looks ahead of. All right, what what is the Fed in this case? What does the Fed need to raise rates to? To, to slow down demand enough to tame inflation. Well, the market basically bids up the interest rates to a point where we think it's going to slow everything down. Mm -hmm. Which look at the look at the um, the mortgage market. Mm -hmm. My, my brother-in-law is moving up to Washington, mm -hmm. your neck of the woods, Chris. Where he's going to he told me that they needed to rush to get their mortgage in before the Fed rates rates, and I'm like, well. The market's already raised rates. They don't need to wait for the Fed here, right? We saw mortgage rates, t what, top off at over 6%, and now it's slightly below 5%. I was just looking at this. This is like front page of, of Yahoo Finance now. Mortgage rates surpass 5% again after hitting a four-month low. Yeah. 30-year mortgage increased to 5.22 this week, up from 4.99 one week ago. I mean, they are just flying around right now yeah yeah it's important to note that the the fed as i mentioned really controls one rate and that's mm -hmm. the overnight rate mm -hmm. anything two days and beyond is the market driven rate and that that's why you're seeing the mortgage rates fluctuate even if there's no news right that's that two point based on supply and demand mm -hmm. but the biggest demand right now is foreign demand which that's, that's driving which by the way slower. banks are just totally taking advantage of everybody right now <laughs> Short-term rates have gone up a good amount, and they're not paying any interest. Yeah, it's what's ridiculous. Your bank, what's your bank savings rate right now? I, Point. I, probably still a penny every month. I mean, it's just ridiculous, right? It, it, it's I, less than the Fed rate hike, right? Yeah. I mean, you can remember back in, gosh, this is probably 2006, six, seven. you know, when rates are higher, and you would make 7% in a money market. It was mm -hmm. like, cool, this is multiple dollars. You know, remember when everybody used to get a tax form at the end of the year because you made more than $10 in interest? Like, who's actually making that amount of money at 0.01% on your savings account now? It's ridiculous. So rates have gone yeah. up in banks. And it just has to be padding their profitability. Yeah, They're multiplied not by like trillions it. of dollars. Yes. I, I was just looking up this for a client uh, uh, yesterday, in fact, because we were talking about some really just short-term investment. You know, what's the best place to go? So I was like, well, let's check out what high-yield savings accounts are paying right now. And actually, uh, you've got Amex, you've got you know Marcus by Goldman Sachs, you've got Discover. They're all actually hovering around one and a half percent now, which I was really happy to see. 
but the big banks, if you're just in your good old B of A checking, or Chase, Chase, yeah. Yeah, Chase checking or BECU or first hack or whatever, they're not paying squat. I, I just, I think that's crazy. I don't know how banks can get away with that. Yeah. Because well, they can, I guess. They're in a position that we don't want to take more deposits. Again, that's a supply and demand driven component too, is if I'm at a bank and I don't don't have more people to loan out to, they don't need to incentivize more deposits. Oh. Yeah, that's a big component. So, so, yeah, these these startups, these high yield, yeah. they probably have some something to that they're able to invest in. Goldman makes sense, right? There's securities lending. There's yeah, yeah. Sorry for being a little insidery, but Goldman has other things to loan out other than mortgages and car loans. Mm-hmm. Banks. Banks at a point where mortgage demand is way low. Auto demand is tight because auto supply. But yeah, when when you don't need the deposits, you're gonna lo- offer like below basement rates. I don't think I would kill, kill for a basement rate for my bank now. So this is like interesting. they're offering below that. I, I'm just looking this up here because oh, it went up overnight. Hey, look at that. So I was looking at this yesterday in a meeting. One and a half percent at Discover. One and a half percent at Marcus by Goldman Sachs, one and a half percent at Amex Savings. Okay, these are typically top of list, and there, there's a handful of other ones. And then you've got SoFi. SoFi is kind of a new startup company. They started in the student loan refinance space, then they've pushed into the mortgage yep. space, the personal loan space. They're trying to get into, I think they've even launched their own ETFs, which is like, whoa, interesting. Um, uh, they are paying 1.8%, like a lot more than everybody else. And there's a $300 bonus that you get when you open up an account with them. Uh, yep. I do not know if there's an account maximum. So sometimes when there's this high teaser rate, we all might remember uh, not too long ago, credit unions would offer these like 7% rates on the first $500. And so if you put you know more in there, you, know, you wouldn't earn anything. Um, I'm reading this right here and it says, SoFi members with a direct deposit can earn up to 1.8% APY, blah, 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 blah. Members without a direct deposit will earn one. And so to your point, they need deposits as collateral for their lending. There are certain reserve requirements in order to be able to continue to maintain mortgage loans, student loans, um, these sorts of things, even securities lending, as you, as you mentioned, which is topic for another time. So they are basically saying, Hey, um, give us your money, park it here. Don't leave it. We'll pay you for it because we, we need it as collateral. And that's why they're paying an above market rate. And they want your, you know, check to go in there because that's a more sticky account versus if you're just holding money there. That's, uh, that's where that incentive comes from. Yep. I guess, I guess rest assured that your, your, uh, investment guys are super nerds and we know, um, <laughs> uh, the repo markets and why banks it's, it's a, it's a, it's not a cottage industry. It, it's what drives the U S economy is our money market system. And when banks don't want deposits, it means they simply have too, too much of them. And, and that, that's a bit of a problem, right? And that's probably a result of all the stimulus, but also the economic growth, right? But that's money that's probably not circulating in the system right now because it's, it's being held. I want to, um, I want to come back and simplify. So we said a lot there on fed raising rates by 75 basis points, which is 0.75%. Um, the market went up 2% that day and interest rates actually fell. And I, and I want to just comment on. Um, there's so many external reasons why that's happening, but there was also a key word or a couple of words that was said in that press press conference. 
that basically said, the Fed said, hey, we might not have to raise as aggressively moving forward. We're starting to see things slow down in a good way. You know, housing is slowing down. Um, demand for products is slowing down. Prices are actually coming down. And that's actually why in the face of the Fed raising rates, you saw interest rates going down. To Howe's point, it's because the market was expecting worse sentiment, meaning the Fed's going to keep raising like crazy, keep raising like crazy. And therefore, they price that in with assumptive higher rates. Fed comes out and says, hey, what we're doing seems to be working. And that's why actually real interest rates came down or you know, real, real bond yeah. payments in the face of the Fed increasing rates. It's a little, it's a little confusing, um, uh, but that's why that happened as well as why the market jumped 2% based on, hey, maybe the Fed doesn't have to go as far as they previously said. Yeah, and we're always available for more deep conversations with the clients. So you guys know how to reach us for in depth. I doubt we'll get any takers there because it's, it will put people to sleep, but, uh, we're essentially trying to explain the global economy and interest rates drive it all. Okay. So the other thing was jobs. So, um, you know, this was the last thing I was waiting for to invest in my five to nine, cause there's no way jobs data will just knock it out of the park and, you know, markets will go down. That'll give me my entry point. I've been waiting for, for six weeks now. Um, it was double, right? As you indicated, 258,000 expected, 528,000 jobs created, like, whoa, way, way better. Unemployment's three and a half percent. Markets surged that day and interest rates fell again. And again, this is because, hey, better than expected. Maybe we're staving off this, in, this, this impending recession. Maybe this soft landing thing that the Fed's talking about, maybe it'll actually happen. Soft landing being, we don't have to go into a recession in order to get uh, inflation and, and everything under control, um, versus we do in order to get it under control. So markets actually liked that number and interest rates went down with the face of really, really good news there. Yeah. There, there could be other things because anyone who's trading big amounts of money, they're doing their research and to assume that the markets are going in blindly, that's a pretty bad assumption, but the markets are really driven by institutions, right? And retail traders do make up a good portion, but uh, the big money, the big money is doing their homework. Yeah. Right. And a good jobs report, especially a growing one like that, where, where we double the forecast, um, it is pretty mixed bag, honestly, mm. but, but when the, the economy is showing quite a bit of resiliency, it does give room to, raise rates higher than they have. Why is it a mixed bag? Because things are expensive. Uh, people attribute to raising, rising salaries, oh. rising wages, right? More jobs, and more money in pockets, more demand, no reason to lower prices. Correct. Inflation stays. Yeah. Which is that soft so, landing. Like if we actually fall into recession and layoffs actually happen and people don't have jobs, then actually they don't buy things actually prices go down because they have to in order yep. to resume demand. And that, that solves the problem quickly. Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, bluntly, someone's going to have to lose your job for this to, to work. And I hope it's not me. hope it's not you, but like, you know what I mean? It's, it's not a very pretty scenario for, for anyone to have to lose their job for this. You know, what's crazy but, though. Yeah. Okay. So big tech has come out and said, some layoffs, but mostly just, okay, they're minor, but they're just pausing hiring. 
right? Big tech's pausing hiring. Some of them have rescinded offers. And then you've got small tech, which is laying off people like crazy. I mean, I think Robinhood came out, they laid off like 30 or 40% of their workforce because their, their demand for their services dropped, you know, dropped like crazy. Coinbase is making layoffs. So the small tech is laying off people like crazy. What are the chances that all of these companies are getting it wrong? I.e., we're not going into recession. The economy will stay strong. Demand will stay. The demand for these services will come back up. And we are actually creating yeah. one of the biggest messes in the job market ever when all yeah. of these people need to be rehired in, I don't know, six months when things are better or appear to be better. Yeah, let's let's kind of break that out to the airline industry and the transportation yeah. industry and any the the teaching industry. You know how many states are short teachers? Anyone who can regardless of what happens to the economy in the next six months, I doubt Delta or American Airlines is gonna lay off any airline staff. No chance. Right? What they're going through this year, right? Tech Tech, the tech layoffs might have been celebrated a little bit because it shows some of the speculative tech and some of the speculative behavior uh, driving tech, even in big companies, is slowing, right? Look at Amazon and how many warehouses they built up in 2021 mm -hmm. where they have, they have unworked warehouse space because demands dropped. They overhired. Yeah, they laid off like 100,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. Like do... You know, do Peloton employees need to be doing what they're doing? Mm -hmm. Maybe not, because not fewer, a lot fewer people are riding Pelotons. So part of it is, it might be a, a big jumble, but some of it's encouraging because that leaves other opportunities for for uh, airlines to, you know, to mean to hire. And I think. I think what we'll see, some some people might overshoot the, the layoff, which is super unfortunate. I saw this guy on uh, LinkedIn. He was crying because he had to lay off employees. And it's like uh, he, he went viral. I forget the name of the guy, but mm. it was uh, the goal behind that was a little a little overdone. Mm. But I think that's something that, that uh, we've been talking about is the shaking out of the excess. And what, for a healthy economy to function is we – Speculation has its place, but it doesn't, it's like a spectrum, right? It doesn't, it's not healthy if it's too, too high. And admittedly, 2020 and 2021 were highly speculative years in terms of really everything, right? Mm -hmm. Pelotons and cryptos and, and things that probably didn't have a viable business model backing it. Right. Yeah, demand and, drops up, and and you know, Red, yeah. uh, Robinhood's business model, right? It's all based on trading. They you need to get you to trade more. Robinhood yeah. users trade, I think, four times more than everybody else. And so, if if that you know stops, their business falls through the the floor. I mean, it, it, that's a problem. Big problem. Big problem. So, yeah, we won't know what this job mess is. I really hope we can find a way to keep uh, unemployment low. But the natural rate of unemployment here is five percent. Mm. So we are, we are we in an that. overheated, yeah, yeah, labor economy. But at the same time, we we just have a lot of people who don't want to work. They're they're retired or don't want to work. I was reading this this morning. Um, everybody's heard of this kind of movement towards traveling nurses, and uh, traveling nurses are making a ton of money right now. 
um, almost to the tune of where it would incentivize you to become a traveling nurse versus just lock into your own home hospital and, and get your job there. Um, th they will essentially go to where the demand is. And uh, at its its highest point, uh, traveling nurses are making $5,000 a week, um, $20,000 a month, $240,000 a year as a traveling nurse. That is, this article would suggest that is not sustainable. Basically, it was hospitals coming out and saying like, um, we actually can't pay this much. We just have to because so many nurses quit in the pandemic and now we need to incentivize them to come back. And so this whole notion of traveling nurses started because, hey, we have, you know, a thousand jobs to fill and only 200 people in this area, boom, travel to us. And as a result, wages went through the roof and I just can't help but wonder, how does that correct? Like at what point do your three month contract is up and there are no contracts at your current pay rate and it starts falling? Like do wages in certain areas actually come down? I feel like they have to, but I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah, it depends on what the core needs of the economy are. So, so yeah, that might be perpetual, but yeah, if you have so many plumbers out there that are charging $200 an hour, the guy charging 150 will start booking all the jobs. And then I, the guy charging $100, it's a supply and demand, I think, especially in that that type of, because uh, you're typically contract worker, right? Yeah. Uh, by the way, I just had a, a guy do some grout work, uh, like, you know, fixing up some, some old grout work and whatnot. Uh, $200 an hour. What? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Hey, again, good for them. There, there are trade trade jobs that are woefully under understaffed. And, and I think, yeah. And unfortunately my heart goes out to you if you work at Coinbase or, or, you know, any of these fintech companies, but you know, if we put more people back in the labor pool that hopefully stuff like that goes down. Yeah, quick thought on that, and then let's touch on inflation. We'll wrap up. Um, our thought is if you are working for a smaller tech company that's even venture funded, not yet profitable, um, be on the lookout for potential layoffs. It could happen. It could continue to happen. It seems like everybody's doing it right now. And really what we mean by that is just keep a little bit more money in cash. Yes, there'll be severance. Yes, there's unemployment. You'll be fine over the long term and you're you're likely very employable, but um, if you're with one of those companies that you know could have a, a business risk in this economy, maybe keep a little bit more cash on the sidelines, just so you can get a few more months comfortably and not feel like you need to be scrambled to take the next job. Uh, should things actually turn for for the worse? Yeah, this is a strong economy, and it looks like tech is one of the first industries to suffer through this, but. You know, uh, we're here as a resource as well. All right, there's some interesting inflation numbers here. Uh, we've got gas prices that have slid for over 50 days now. Uh, I'm starting to see that at the pump. I will be excited to report someday when it goes below 70 bucks to fill my tank, it still is above. Uh, commodities prices have gone down a lot. Elon came out and said, hey, commodities prices are going down. Maybe we can actually lower the price of our cars uh, in the future, he's, he, you know, seeing the, the raw materials cost decline, um, as they're placing their purchases. That's a, that's a good thing. His thought was maybe by the end of the year, you know, we'll have to see, um, what else are you seeing in inflation? That's what, 
Yeah, that's what I was alluding to with the market looking forward. Um, they're doing their research, and they obviously saw the price of commodities come down. Mm-hmm. Not just for Tesla parts, but you look at coffee, agriculture, corn, wheat, lumber. Everything is down like nearly 30% on average good. for each group. And, yeah, those 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 contribute pretty mightily to inflation. And it was confirmed with the August inflation reading that came out yesterday, right? This is for July. It came out at, a, according to the White House, it came out at zero. <laughs> and I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, it realistically, it came out at 8.5 inflation year over year growth. So meaning if we met, went back to August 11th, 2021, uh, broadly, things were cheaper by 8%, mm-hmm. right? Not as bad as the, the July reading of 9.1. Things were more again, by 8%, not cheaper by 8%. Yeah. Right? And well, if we went back to 2021, things would have been cheaper. Oh, by, oh thank you. By 8%. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, because everything's more expensive by 8.5%. So reading verbatim from the White House uh, official Twitter is President Biden's economic plan is working in July. Our economy had zero percent inflation. Uh, that that that's a bit misleading. Again, we're not trying to be political here, but we have to understand what the context of what's being said there is. Zero percent inflation means from June to July, there was inflation had basically stayed steady, but things are still things are still more expensive relative to last year. Right. But inflation uh, actually came down month over month. So why didn't they say inflation, you know, in July, our economy had negative 10 percent inflation free, because right? it went from like yeah. nine to eight or whatever. Yeah, it went down. Um, like where are they getting I zero? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it part of it is messaging. Mm. But again, that is accurate in a sense, because, yeah, from June to July, inflation didn't go up. Mm-hmm. That's all it's saying. The level of inflation is still high, but the the rate of inflation didn't move. So, um, our our uh, one of the financial bloggers I follow is uh, Nick Majuli. He he used an analogy. So imagine you were two hundred pounds last year, and your weight today is two hundred seventeen pounds, which is exactly eight and a half percent heavier mm-hmm. than you were last year. So now now imagine you weighed two hundred seventeen pounds last month versus today. You still weigh. 217 pounds, mm-hmm. you're still 217 pounds or 17 pounds heavier than you were last year. Zero percent though, so, month over month. So yes. <laughs> so, you, so be, be leery when people throw out zero percent, but also be leery because this is great news actually. Also be leery about people who say this is the end of the world, right? Cause they're keeping you from, from investing and they're finding ways to, to, you know, uh, take shots at the current administration. So inflation still high inflation, most likely done being high or done going higher. And I think that's the first step. And I think that's what the, the market was responding to. And, and we do think that there's likely downward pressure on prices here moving forward. You've got this really interesting chart here that shows year over year sales and year over year inventory increases. And I'll, I'll pick out a few here. Uh, let's take a look at Crocs, for example, which I know you're in the market for some Crocs. So maybe there'll be a sale coming in for you here. 
Yeah, um, I'm stylish. I always wear Crocs in public. I yeah, you're probably wearing them right now. <laughs> Just can't see them. Forty three percent year over year sales, which that's impressive. But the point is, a hundred and seven percent year over year inventory increases. So they have a sixty four percent difference on the more, the amount of inventory they've gained relative to what they've sold. Uh, I would suggest there's probably a sale coming for that. Uh, Lululemon. 31% year-over-year sales, 74% inventory increase. Their stores must just be packed with stuff. Um, TJ Maxx, 13% year-over-year sales, 36% inventory increases. Warby Parker, 10% year-over-year sales, almost 60%. Uh, Yeti. Warby Parker just announced layoffs, too. They did? Hmm. Yep, today. I got to so sell the inventory and pay for the people. Yeah, inventory is catching up. Um, Yeti, 18.6% year-over-year sales increase and 124% uh, inventory increases. So if anybody needs a new Yeti, I think just wait. I think sales are coming. Well, let's pick out Yeti and Lululemon because um, they, they are um, notably higher-end or at least marketed themselves mm-hmm. as higher-end. Mm-hmm. So. I, the Yeti is in a bad position because they're holding more than double what they need. Yeah. And yeah, 100%. imagine if Yeti lowered prices, does, that kind of flies in the face of what their whole brand is, right? Because their image is high end. Huh. It'd be like if Apple had coolers. a discount on their phones because they just don't do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everyone's like, are you suddenly Dell? Like what's going <laughs> on here? Yeah. Like, sorry, Dell investors. And but if Yeti did it, it's like, oh, are you suddenly Igloo? Are you suddenly, yeah, you know? Yeah. And that's where Lululemon runs into problems too, because of the discount. Are, you, are we looking at Ross or Fabletics? Interesting. Or, yeah, they don't want to discount their brand. Yes, Gap. Old Navy. I We went to Old Navy in Oregon because my kids forgot sweaters. Well, we you live in California, so you don't need sweaters. That's the real answer, but keep going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we got a sweater for four bucks. For my son that's good and so the markdowns are there but understand that yeah crocs might have some uh, i haven't been on the crocs website in a few days so um but yeah confirm <laughs> confirm if uh, i saw the tab open earlier crocs. when you were sharing your screen you got yes. it up and you're waiting for the sale yeah check if crocs has sales um i know best buy target walmart all marking down but let's let's kind of unpack the inventory buildup though yeti 125% inventory build. What is Yeti made of? Metal, aluminum, mm. plastics, other commodities, and they over-order. Interesting. So they paid Com- more for that product and they have too much of it, and they might have to discount prices to get rid of it. Yeah, That's like the triple whammy. I'm taking, it, I'm taking it personally because they contributed to ah. most likely inflation because yeah. they over-ordered under uh, TDUP. Uh, I've, I don't yeah, know. who I'm, is that? I was going to call that out, but I don't know who TDP is. Threat, threat, threat up. up. Again, as you guys, if you're watching a video, we're super, super stylish. So forgive us if we don't know. Okay, Threat brand. Up is actually so super threat. cool. Threat Up is a, uh, it's kind of like <laughs> Goodwill or Value Village, but it's for designer clothes. And it's all online. And you can go in there and you can say, yeah. hey, these are my preferences. And you can get like name brand stuff like... Lululemon, probably, and you can get it at a significant discount. 
So you can get these expensive brands at a really good price. Uh, what's I don't understand how they order, really. I don't know if they get donations or buy clearance products or whatever, but that's what ThreadUp does. They're actually a really cool concept. Oh. All right. I don't... So, admittedly, I, I wear uh, Costco brand clothes. So, like, my my <laughs> wardrobe is all Kirkman. Um, but if you look at it, you look at all this over-ordering. Decker's Outdoor, like uh, the, the guy's... The, the company who makes Uggs, mm. what what is that doing to the materials order? And again, I'm explaining a bullwhip effect mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. in real life using the story where Uggs order over orders, uh, Nordstrom over orders, uh, Michael Kors over orders, Levi's, and you get all these companies over ordering. What's that doing to cotton suppliers? What's this doing to rubber suppliers, plastic suppliers? Right, they're all having to increase their supply prices because they're having to buy all these commodities to produce these goods for these people. And now we're in a situation where we have too much stuff. And I guess, uncoincidentally, the cost of everything's coming down because no one's ordering anything. They order too much in 2021. So inflation might've been a, a self-inflicted wound here for a lot of these companies. Gotta look up what ATZ is. I don't even know what this company is. ATZ. Aritzia? Yeah, looking at. Okay, I don't know what this brand is, but. Um, what is it? ATZ is the ticker. Art this makes great audio, Aritzia? everyone. <laughs> this is really good. This is good stuff here. Um, what I'm trying to find is Aritz where are the deals? Ar 66% year over, thank you. 66% year over year sales, only 21% year over year inventory. They are one of the only negative ones on here. So, hey, thanks to them. They did something right. The other one is DDS, DDS Dillard's. DDS discounts? DDS discounts. So, like. Dillard's. Oh, Dillard's. Okay. Okay. I've never been to a Dillard's. Maybe they're not out here. Department. Is it a department store? Wow. Anyway, um, Dillard's, uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Dillard's 21% year over year sales, 4% inventory increase. And the other one here, thanks to Levi's 22% inventory or sorry, 20% inventory, 22% sales. Thanks Levi's. You did your ordering correctly. Nice. You didn't contribute to the inflation problem. That's funny. Okay. So, yeah, it's quite a bit to unpack there, but you could see how things work in terms of supply chain, especially, especially the bullwhip effect when everyone, you know, piled into Target and Walmart, mm -hmm. which if you're wanting to find a deal, it's going to be the bulky items like TVs, furniture, home goods. I heard that Walmart is selling mini fridges yeah. at $200 below cost. So if anybody needs a mini fridge, yeah. go buy one from Walmart and related it's not on here really, but, uh, the largest items are what are, are filling up the inventory. So if you need new appliances, new fridge, that kind of, if you're planning a kitchen remodel, just wait a little bit to order your appliances. Our, uh, our prediction of the year would be those prices will be coming down. And I just got to talk about this a little bit in a prior episode, but I got a Costco catalog in your typical, you know, $5 off string lights or, you know, $4 off this, and then, you know, $300 off of your washer and dryer combo. Yeah. yeah. And furniture. Notably the discounts on computers, 
$50, like it didn't seem like a whole lot, but the largest discounts were in these very large items that clearly they have too many of. Um, so the big, big retailers, they need to move these big products that have low margins. Uh, wait for the sale. We think it's probably coming. Yep. Yeah. So what we're saying is uh, help inflation out, go on, go on and buy. Well, which but, is counterintuitive. But buy when it's buy when it's a lower price, not when it's a higher price. That'll yeah. help inflation. Yeah. All right, yeah. we're all in this together. Buy smartly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all the time we have today. Uh, that was fun. That was fun. We got through a lot there, and uh, I hope that was helpful for everyone. So, uh, in between now and next time, send on in your questions, and we will be happy to address next time. And we'll be back uh, here in the next two weeks with an update on what's going on with these numbers and uh, hopefully not just a broken record on interest rates and inflation. It seems to be very top of mind right now, but um, hopefully we've got some other interesting stuff to report on. So until then, thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk again soon. Thank you, everyone.